10 seconds to play. It'll be the last play of the ball, you'd think, as tackle three is going to come up through Metcalf. He's dancing around. Do they want more points? Here's Arlet. He takes the charge up over halfway. And the siren does sound. Adam G blows the whistle, and the Warriors, their most commanding win of 2023, arguably their most commanding win of the last five years, 48 points to 18 over the Dragons. They get another two points. They solidify themselves inside the top eight. Most importantly, they get two valuable points away from home. Sammy Hewitt with his call here on SENZ of that Warriors uh, win over the Dragons, and uh, they certainly got the weekend off to a great start from our point of view. Several Warriors are having career-best seasons under Webby, none more so than Sean Johnson, uh, but the likes of uh, Fanua Blake, Nicol Klockstad, and, of course, 12 tries in nine games for Air Dallin, as they're calling him over here, um, and a host of others with Tamari Martin due back any day now in a favourable run home. Dare we say it, the finals uh, look like they're there for the taking, the playoffs anyway for us. But uh, Matty White might have a different view on that. Uh, he's uh, sitting across there in uh, Sydney town. He's uh, one of our SEN brethren, of course, host of uh, the mornings over there. Uh, Matty, good morning to you. Uh, we're pretty happy because um, it's way back as, uh, what, 10 o'clock on Friday night. The Warriors look pretty damn good to us. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Good morning to you, Smithy, and good morning to all your listeners there. Um, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. What are you now? Fifth on the ladder, so nine wins and six losses for the season, one by still to come and and as Sam pointed out their biggest win of the season a 30 point win and um, they just had it covered didn't they I, I love Air Dallin I love that uh, that moniker for Dallin Watini Zelezniak and four tries in the one game everything's just pointing in the right direction for the Warriors Smithy I mean I guess you know you would know better than most about the momentum factor in sport and we speak about it often on my program and the momentum that the Warriors have had all year just doesn't look like slowing down so I, I certainly have them in my top eight and playing finals footy this year well um, I think it's a, because it's an across the board feeling in terms of the Warriors I mean uh, last year the, the you looked out the window at them or you looked on TV at them and it, you know that the, just the way they carried themselves onto the field of playing throughout you thought really really why are we bothering here this year, totally different look. So uh, when it comes to that, you simply have to get uh, come back to who's, who's new there and who's created it. And we keep coming back to Andrew Webster. Absolutely. And they look like a settled outfit. And they have looked like a settled outfit from the word go. And Andrew Webster's made such a difference. I don't really know what the secret sauce is to Andrew Webster's coaching style, but whatever he's done there, he's managed to get A, the best out of his players, and B, get the entire playing group on the same page. And as you rightly point out, I mean, over the last couple of seasons, and especially last season, you just didn't know what you were going to get from the Warriors. I, I speak to so many um, greats of the game and past players of the game. Matty Johns will be on my show this morning and, and he's one that used to say or says all the time that when you face the Warriors, you knew that you were in for a tough game and it was going to hurt and it would hurt for the rest of the week. And so they used to hate going over to play the Warriors because of the, the, um, the dominance and the physical factor. So the lesson in all of that was that the New Zealand Warriors stood for something. 
Now, over the last year or so, they've, they've stood for not much because they've just been all over the shop. And now we know what kind of brand of footy that they play and they know what kind of brand of footy they want to play. And under Andrew Webster, everything has come together. And if you look at not just the Warriors, if you sort of reflect on other teams in the comp at the moment, like it, it, say if we lined up, Smithy, the Warriors versus the Roosters at the moment, and I, I didn't think I'd be saying this about the Roosters this deep in the competition, but they look all over the place. They look clunky. They don't look as though they've got the direction. I, I don't think they're an unhappy group, but they look like an unsettled group. And the difference there is they're down in 12th position. The Warriors are up in 5th position. There's a lot more to it than just being happy and settled and back home. But I think that's a clear reflection of what's going on in, at the Warriors' home front and perhaps what's missing at a team like the Roosters at the moment. I look at uh, the season, and a lot of people refer to the NRL as a marathon. It's not a sprint, and I think the best evidence we've got now of the fact that this is a marathon, and they're finding it like that now, are the Dolphins. Um, they're starting to concede a lot of points. <clears throat> they, they don't look like winning a match at the moment, so uh, they're conceding 48 points to the, the Eels at the weekend as well. That's a pretty ominous sign for them. Yeah, and it was always going to be tough. Look, I had the I had the Dolphins finishing last, <laughs> so I think we can definitely rule out my expertise in that in that environment. Um, where are they? They're eleventh on the ladder right now. But this was always going to be the tough part of the season, the middle part of the season. The, the honeymoon was over, or we thought the honeymoon would be over a, a lot quicker than what it was. And and give them credit. I mean, the way that they came out of the blocks and then stayed out of the blocks was pretty amazing, to be honest, especially in this league. And and the run-up that they had was not deep. I think they only had about 18 months to get their stuff together and and be part of this competition. So I always wondered how long the Wayne Bennett factor was going was gonna to play and how long the newness of the Dolphins being in the NRL was going to catch up with them. And you're, you're right, mate. I think it's starting to catch up now, which is not a slight, a slight on them at all. Um, because I didn't think they'd be this high where they are right now. This is going to be the absolute key part. What are we, 17 rounds into the competition, so another 10 rounds of regular competition to go. It's going to be a tough run home. Injuries start to hit. We had State of Origin in the middle of it, obviously. So all of those factors come together, and, and now it's a matter of, of making sure that they're solid the whole way home, that they don't fall off the cliff completely. I don't think they're going to play finals footy, but I don't think a lot of people expected them to play finals footy, obviously, in their first year. So at this stage, you've got to say it's been an out-and-out success, the Dolphins coming in and what they've achieved so far. They've still got more to go, and this back end of the year was always going to be the test, and it's, it's proving to be that right now. Well, they, the Panthers clearly know how to win a competition. Uh, we've seen evidence of that in the last couple of years. Uh, 20 to 12 over the Knights. Uh, what did you make of that performance? The completion rate was pretty high, around 90%. Just getting it done at the right time for them? Yeah, <laughs> the good teams get it done, don't they? It's a, it's a really yeah. good summary of, of what Penrith do and how they do it, especially when they're down so many troops. I, I think really the story there is the Newcastle Knights. And uh, I don't know if you've seen it or heard it, but Christian Welsh sat down after Manly after the Storm beat Manly on Saturday night. And just before the press conference, he leaned across to Craig Bellamy and he said, the Knights? 
What about, Penrith had no one. And that was coming from Amy Park in Melbourne. So the news had filtered down that Newcastle had lost that match. And there's the Storm captain talking to his coach about the fact that the Newcastle should have beaten them. But Penrith get the job done. They know how to get the job done. And that's the strength of their system as well. And that, that's the system that Ivan Cleary and co have put in place there. And funnily enough, the system that Andrew Webster has come through. But Newcastle, massive questions. Huge questions over them. Adam O'Brien's under the pump. Um, I, I like the way Adam O'Brien addresses the media afterwards. He, he's a hard-on-his-sleeve kind of guy, and he says it like it is. But what I worry about is they don't seem to have the answers at the moment. And he's said, if we knew what the answer was, we'd fix it. Well, they don't, and they're struggling down in 14th spot, hovering about the, around the bottom four of the ladder and it doesn't look as though they're going to go up anytime soon. That was a match they should have won. They should have controlled that match and they were nowhere near it. Um, so there's big, big questions at the Newcastle Knights. So what's happened now then to um, Manly? If you look at that performance, Storm 24, Manly 6. Uh, <sighs> questions being asked about them and their coaching setup, etc. Their uh, their spirit. I mean, Jerry Evans turned up after a brilliant state of origin too. He turned up and they just lost their way. Yeah, they did. I, I was actually uh, hosting a function on behalf of the Manly Seagulls on Wednesday night on State of Origin. It was around their foundation and it was tied into State of Origin night. And, and I had Jake Trebojevic up on stage um, shortly before the match started and he said they were, they were talking, Smithy, about pledging money for the foundation. So it was a fundraiser, essentially. Um, all of the Manly hierarchy were there. You know, the bosses, the coaching staff, greats of the game, Cliffy Lyons, Alan Thompson, Ken Arthurson, and was there as well. It was a big, big function. And Jakey said to me, he goes, I'm going to pledge $1,000 when New South wins, win and I'm going to pledge $1,000 for every try that Tom scores. And I said, great, good on you. And, and he was bouncing out of his chair. And then two minutes into the match, this, you know, this, this, this horrible feeling just sunk over the room and I could just feel poor old Jake up the back of the room just going, really? Everybody knew that that was a turning point in Manly's season. Um, they needed Tom Tra or they need a Tom Trebojevic there to, to try and deliver at the back end of the year, and that's a huge hole. So there's a, a big, big blow that they need to get over, um, but they didn't get over it against the Melbourne Storm. And they were in it for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then they were nowhere near it, especially in the second half. And there are players there who don't put their hands up. And one of them who does is Daly Cherry Evans. I actually gave Anthony Seabold a ride home on that Wednesday night. We live in the same area, Smithy. And he said to me, he goes, mate, I'll give you a story about DCE. He said he phoned me last week after they got beaten by Parramatta and he said, just want to make sure you're all right. And by the way, if we win on Wednesday night on State of Origin, he said, don't worry about me. I'm playing no matter what. He said, I'll come from Brisbane straight down to Melbourne and I'm playing if I get through okay. And that was the kind of fight that Daily Cherry Evans has been putting up week in and week out. The question for Manly is, who else is going to follow his lead? And at the moment, there are a couple that aren't doing that. And I think that's probably the Seagulls' biggest problem. The Broncos are an interesting conundrum as well. Uh, they still sit um, up there with uh, Penrith and the Storm on 24. 
Uh, how often do you see uh, when a side changes a coach, uh, that, that side plays well in the week or so after that happens? It's almost as if to say, see, we told you so. Broncos 12, Titans 18. Yeah, um, Broncos have the word trust next to them. And we've discussed this at length throughout my program. Smithy, you know, can you trust the Broncos to, to go all the way? Very similar question but obviously in different um, different scenario to the Titan, uh, to the Dolphins, as we just discussed there. You know, can you trust the Dolphins to be there at the back end of the year? Well, I don't think anyone really thought they were going to go the full distance in their first year, but can you trust the Broncos to be there at the back end of the year when they've shown that they can fall away pretty quickly in 2022 was a case in point. So the Broncos are an interesting conundrum. They've only had the one buy, so that's interesting. They're, they're equal on top when it comes to points with the Panthers and the Storm. They're second on the ladder at the moment, but they've only had the one buy, and those two have already had two buys, and we know that every club gets three buys in 2023. So they are an interesting conundrum, and, and I, the interesting part that I find about them is everybody's waiting for them to trip over, and they they don't. They did against the Titans, and off the back of State of Origin, you wonder, okay, what? where does the trust question come in there? Um, I, let's call that a little blip along the way, but the Broncos are proving that they are the real deal, and if they end up as we expect is going to unfold possibly today with Ben Hunt, which is a different story altogether. But if they end up with Ben Hunt for the back end of the year, then we can probably take that trust question right out of it because they get themselves a top-class player and they get a good, good run into the finals plus two buyers up their sleeves. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, the, the Ben Hunt story and how that's un, uh, unfolded. Look, you talk seriously about uh, the Broncos. A lot of people, Gus Gould included, have been um, talking about the fact that um, uh, the, the Cowboys are a genuine premiership contender going off some of their recent results. Um, uh, do you think that's a possibility? And what about those Rabbitohs? I mean, that's a pasting at home. Yeah, it is. It's it was an unusual one. I I had a chat with Jason Demetrio last week, and and he was um, quite up and about really. And and off the back of the buy, thought that they were in good hands. It didn't seem as though there was any cause for any concern there. But the Cowboys have been the great unknown um, for 2023. So I, I still can't get a read on the Cowboys. They're, they're the one team in this premiership that I. I cannot work out. I had them finishing, I think, top four um, when we sat down and looked at the start of the season. And then the way they came out of the off-season with the World Cup behind them, Todd Payton changed what they did in the off-season to the off-season before when they flogged themselves up there in Townsville. I mean, they absolutely got hammered. They worked on defence and fitness and that was it. And they came out last season and they were going gangbusters. This year, they just altered it a little bit to try and um, to try and massage players coming back from the cup and a different preparation, all that kind of stuff, and it hasn't worked. So I can't work out whether the Cowboys are the real deal at the back end or not. Um, and then they put up performances like that and you go, well, perhaps they are. And then you don't know what's going to happen next week. So <laughs> they're, mm. they're, the, they're the great unknown for me, the Cowboys. And just finally, to round it off, um, the Raiders were uh, up uh, by 18-6 to six at the break, only scored uh, two second-half points. But that was enough to beat the Roosters, who are now seven from 15. 
Uh, clunky, 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 clunky. The roosters, which is very unrooster-like. Um, I, I don't know what's going on there, but the Raiders, yeah, they they know how to put a game away, and the roosters just at the moment don't know how how to get much done. James Tedesco having problems under the high ball. I mean, what's going on there? Letting two tries last night. Are we ready to put a red line through the through the chooks? That's one of the big questions. They're down in 12th. Um, seven wins and eight losses to start the season. And somebody like Trent Robinson doesn't let those sort of performances creep in on a regular basis, yet they have. They Let's not forget, they started clunky last year. They started clunky, and then they sorted themselves out. This year, they started clunky again, and it's probably got worse as they go on. So, uh, as I say, I can't get a read on the Cowboys because they're up and down like a roller coaster. I can get a read on the Roosters because they're on the slide on that roller coaster. They're heading downhill. And how Trent Robinson's going to turn it around is going to be one of the fascinating, I think, storylines as we go towards the back end of the season. If he can turn this around, um, it'll be some kind of some kind of effort from the Roosters coaching staff. Um, let's not forget they had the Jason Ryle stuff going on in the background as well. Mm-hmm. So you, you just wonder, Smithy, whether something's a little bit, you know, amiss at the Roosters. Um, but yeah, very, very unrooster-like. And just very quickly, I know you're a busy man. Um, a state of Origin three. Um, speaking of turning things around, what chance Freddie of doing that? Um, and uh, are you even excited about a dead rubber now? Yeah, I, I am because Origin's Origin. You know, Origin's a game that you just got to you've you, you've got to be part of, and you never know what it's going to throw up. What I'm really interested to know is what do New South Wales want out of Game Three? What do they want to take away from Game 3? Is it time to try something different? Is it time to perhaps look at some of the selection policies that they thought were going okay and now it's time to have a a good crack at something else? Are they looking towards 2024 or are they looking to try and make sure that the series is not a whitewash? So my fascination with State of Origin number 3 is not so much around the dead rubber factor or anything like that or whether people are going to watch or get involved in it. It's what a New South Wales is going to bring to the table, Smithy, because Queensland are an unstoppable force at the moment. They're a very good team. They play really good footy. They're coached very well. Their selection policy has been rock solid. New South Wales have to come back and answer. They're going to have to find some sort of answer in game three. And then whether that means that's laying the platform for next year or trying to save a bit of you know, face for this year. I don't know. They're the questions that only um, Freddie Fittler and co can answer. So what a New South Wales one out of Game Three is going to be the big, big talking point for me. Yep, and the drive to go get it, uh, what they want—that's the thing, Matty. Hey, look, fantastic, mate. Thank you. I know you've, you've got a show to get on with now, so thanks very much for reviewing uh, Round Seventeen for us. Uh, we're loving it over here. I, I, I don't think we've, we've been on a rugby league high like this for quite some time, and it's it's wonderful. Thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Good on you, Smithy.